Welcome into the official Guru Nation Fantasy Football Podcast. I have a special guest today. We have the one, the only, Miguel Chapton. I think that's how you pronounce it. How are you yep. doing today? Doing well, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Doing it's good, good to be on. Excited to you know, chop some things up with you. I know um, a lot in the nation. Um, really admire what you bring to the table in terms of you know your prospect evaluation so we're really excited to you know dive in learn a little bit about some of these wide receivers and um just talk about talk about the draft class as a whole man yeah let's do it all right so i just want to get a little background into um just some guru nation about you a little bit and um, you hopped on to the council with york and you brought in a few recruits i want to talk about some of those recruits and um yeah who, who you actually brought in yeah i brought in uh like yourself kenny and uh and trunnel about a year ago now right to uh to be in trinity um i found you guys all on twitter i always saw you guys pretty active and about um, put out the call to see who wanted to join a league figured if i recruited from twitter i'd get guys that were super into it and really active and sure enough all three of you guys have been super active and engaged and it seems like the nation has uh embraced you guys as well as a result so that's really good um but yeah uh other than that that's i don't know you guys all that well <laughs> hope to get to know you guys better um here as time goes on but uh you guys have been a good addition definitely man and it's been Did well <laughs> i mean I, I just got to thank you personally because you know without you know you choosing me to hop in here um just the opportunities that have been presented from just like meeting everyone in the nation, um, it's just become such a big part of you know what I do as part of fantasy football right now. So I, I just appreciate you having me on, and you know excited to you know get things rolling here into year two in the nation. Yeah, man, it's all about just having fun and meeting people and enjoying it as much as possible. Of course, of course. So I want to know how did you first get into Guru Nation? Um, well, I believe it was through my brother because I can't see any other connection that I have in. Um, pretty sure he played like football with a lot of the guys that are in here, um, including Justin. Uh, and so I'm guessing he got in there through that. And then somehow I got recruited in at some point. Um, I don't really remember the details anymore. It was so long ago. I feel like I've been in about like eight to 10 years now. Wow, so you're stable. Hopefully, stable. hopefully someone can correct me on that. I don't even know anymore. It's been so long. Um, Maybe Justin knows, but uh, yeah, it's been a long time. That's cool, man. That's cool. You're part of the foundation, you know, that Jihan has built, so it's exciting, you know, to, you know, just see how much. I'm sure, sure, from your perspective, you know, just starting in Alpha and seeing, you know, two leagues in the past two years and now a third one popping up here um, shortly. It just must be cool to kind of see the expansion of the nation. Yeah, that's actually been really cool to see. It's nice to have more leagues and more players and more voices Definitely. to keep things active. 100%. Just talking about expansion a little bit, I want to know just like from your perspective, what were your thoughts on, you know, the campaign for Omega? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to disappoint you here. Uh, I I didn't pay attention. Um <laughs> sorry guys. It's it's not that I didn't care, it's just that I didn't have time to care. Um the last few months in my life have just been super crazy and busy and about everything that could happen in one's life has been happening, so um, I've just been more focused on that and kind of took time away from all the extracurricular activities. All right, so transitioning a little bit into what, you know, you have kind of made a name for yourself in the um, dynasty industry, fantasy football industry. Um, PSI, I want to know why did you first start this and did you have any experience like making models before PSI? Well, appreciate that. I'm not so sure if I've made a name for myself, but uh, um, to answer your question, why did I make it? Um, great question. I guess because I was like any other fantasy player. Uh, I read a lot of articles, um, visited some sites, a lot of things out there that I liked analytically. Um, my day job as a whole has always been in analytics. So, um, you know, I, I spend my usually spend my nine to five in, in Excel and doing all these fun things. So um, naturally I gravitated towards towards data and towards analytics and understood it and um, really saw the value in it and how it kind of underutilized it was and 
there's a lot of great people out there creating all sorts of amazing metrics and things and um found a few that i really liked and that i really believed in um and then as i was kind of going through that journey i realized that everyone had like a piece of the puzzle but no one was putting the puzzle pieces together yeah um and so that's where that kind of spawned from i'm like all right i'm spending all my time looking at all this i'm like and you know this answers this question and that answers that question but nothing answers all the questions and I'm not saying even mine does, it doesn't. Um, but I figured there had to be kind of a, you know, like Lord of the Rings, like one ring that rules them all, right? Like one metric to rule them all is what I kind of thought of. Um, like how can I bring all of this data together and then synthesize it in a way where I can get it down to one number and see what that tells me. Um, I had no idea if it would work, but, uh, you know, it did. So fortunate enough, it did work. Um, I had no real experience building models before. Um, but like I said, given my day job, I figured, well, it couldn't be too difficult. So um, just kind of started doing that. And, uh, you know, as I was doing some research, um, I figured a good way to kind of look at it is to model every incoming prospect to what top 24 receivers in the NFL look like um, and figured the closer that that prospect correlates to that top 24 or those top 24 receivers and how they looked when they were coming in, probably the better the hit rate. And um, sure enough, that's exactly how that's turned out. Yeah, definitely. I think that one thing that attracted me to your model was the fact that how accurate it was in terms of finding these kind of under the radar players who, you know, ranked very highly in your in your um in your model that, you know, maybe took a few years to break out. Like a guy like an Adam Thielen who ranked very highly um on your on your pro on your uh prospect model but um was kind of a guy that was under the radar that definitely helps and gives yeah. such a nice tool for fantasy users in these regards. Yeah, I think for his year he was tied for third. Tied for third for that uh-huh. class. Or just behind Hopkins and Allen and Maybe that's it. Maybe he was just third. Um, so, I mean, and you look back, I mean, those are probably the only three guys you want out of that class. Yeah. So, um, you know, that worked out really well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it highlights – it does a good job of kind of exposing the diamonds in the rough, like your Albert Wilsons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he ranked really highly. No one really thought much of him until maybe about – you know, half a season before he hit free agency and then people started kind of seeing what he was. Mm-hmm. And then he hit free agency and then, you know, he was the yards per reception leader or whatever, yak leader, um, before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, and so he was on his way to a top 24 season before that happened. So um, that would have been another nice hit to, yeah. to have. And Tyler Boyd was also another one that ranked really high. Um, that took a few years. People gave up on, didn't really think anything was going to happen. And then, you know, when he hits, I'm like, even I gave up on the guy because I just thought Cincinnati was, you know, a hellhole for anyone to go to. Um, so it was uh, it was nice to see, but at the same time, for me, it wasn't surprising to see. Yeah. And I think that gives, like, you know, fantasy players kind of another perspective to maybe be more patient with these, you know, guys who are either drafted later or go undrafted that, you know, do have such, you know, um, you know, a high chance of succeeding according to your model um, when it comes to these fantasy yeah, players. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, right? I mean, mine mine only tells you so much, right? It uh-huh. just tells you, like, hey, do, do these guys look like they could be really, you know, valuable down the line? Uh-huh. Um, you know, whether they are or not, there's a lot of things that go that, you know, you can't measure, right? Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't have anything that grades bet- what's going on between the ears of these guys. Like, that's one huge thing that I wish I could measure somehow and throw in there because that would change things dramatically. Um, work ethic is another one, right? Like I have no idea what their work ethic is. Um, and then landing spots and coaching and GMs and overall like team structure and stability. And I mean, you can have a great player land in a terrible spot. And by the time the owner and the GM and the coach get their head out of their ass and figure things out. I mean, you could be three, four years down the line and then all of a sudden that receiver just isn't that worth it anymore because four other classes have come into the NFL at that point, right? So 
Um, yeah, there's just it's it's definitely one big piece, but uh, it's not the end all be all. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so I want to know um, combine uh, just happened this weekend. I want to know like what are your some original thoughts from you know this wide receiver class in the combine? How they did? Who are some players that you know stood out to you? And who are some players that you're kind of like you know backtracking on a little bit to find out um, what um, happened to them at the combine? Two guys I'm backtracking on big time, and it's funny because they were tied for me this whole off season, and I could not separate them for the life of me. Um, as much as I liked one, I, I liked the other, and I, and I could never break the tie. And that was Keyshawn Johnson and Kelvin Harmon. Mm. And wow, did they go into the combine and just fucking suck? Um, now, the combine itself, this is funny because it might sound like I'm talking out of both sides out of my mouth, but the combine itself in a vacuum does not matter. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, if you try to find one, you know, one event and say that the 40-yard like, the dash is predictive, like it's not. It's literally not predictive at all. None of the events are predictive of future success. But as a whole, and when you pair it with everything else that you can do um, all the other information, then it matters, right? Um, so hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. But combine in it in and of itself is not valuable information at all. But we know, or at least I know, that top 24 receivers in the NFL typically don't fail more than two events at the combine. Yeah. Um, so, and that includes height as an event um they do pound per inch hand size then you have 40 yard dash vertical leap broad jump 20 yard shuttle three cone and bench um so you, you fail two of those and you know it's basically lights out like not many guys recover from that um Keyshawn johnson failed like every freaking event it was incredibly sad uh i thought he was going to be like the most consistent receiver out of this draft um, everything about him leading up to it led to just being the most like consistent, sound, safe guy that you can get. And then he just wasn't. Um, and then same with Kelvin Harmon. I mean, he's he's not fast. He's not agile. Um, so what is he? Like, I don't... He's not explosive either. So I'm like, I don't know who Kelvin Harmon is at this point. Um, he closely correlates very well to Laquan Treadwell. You know, if you're not fast, you can't play on the outside. If you're not agile, um, then you got to move. So if you can't play on outside, that means the only slot, the only position you can play in the NFL slot. But he's not agile either. Um, and not that you necessarily have to be, but it's good to be. Um, so then he's got to be an excellent route runner um, to work in the slot. And he's got to find an offense that's going to support the slot receiver. So it really limits his upside. I mean, he's got one role. If he can't win a slot role in the NFL, hello, AAF. Like, that's where he's going. Um, so it was really sad to see those two guys just completely suck at the combine. Um, as far as a riser, um, A.J. Brown, Yeah, he surprised me. Uh, I mean, I knew A.J. Brown was pretty good going in. Um I did not think he would run a 4.49, though. That was the surprising part for me. I thought he was going to be um, a lot slower than that. And, you know, everything that I've kind of read up on him, because, I mean, I don't really watch film all that much. I won't really start until about now um, when I want to go. Once I start getting all this data from how they perform, then I'll go back and reevaluate things, and that's when I'll go and watch um, on certain guys just to kind of clarify some things. But... Everything I had read and seen, it was like, he's a slot receiver, he's a slot receiver, he's a slot receiver. Well, he went to the combine and proved he's not just a slot receiver. He can play outside as well. Um, at least he's got the physical capabilities of being able to play outside. Um, so that increases his upside for me in the NFL and what he'll be able to do. Um, so I was really kind of excited about that. Um, DK Metcalf did exactly what we all thought he was going to do. He was going to go in there and he was going to look amazing and he was going to blow everything out of the water. He didn't do anything that was surprising, um, except suck at agility. That was the one thing, right? Um, now, does that matter for him? Um, my answer is I don't know. Like I said, he can afford. He's he's one of those guys that missed two events. He can afford to miss two, um, but it definitely starts to limit his 
his upside. He's he's still a very risky play. Um, I I see DK Metcalf and he's a go route post route. That's about it type receiver. Um, could that be highly successful for you in fantasy football? Sure. I mean, you can get your 40 yard bonuses and, um, huge plays and, you know, he might put up and if he gets a ton of volume and it's a lot of, and he gets paired up with a quarterback that throws deep. Fantastic. That could be money in the bank. Um, but if you're looking for someone who five years down the line, you still want to trade, you know, three first round picks for, is that going to be DK Metcalf? Nah, I'm going to say no. Um, I've said it from day one. I just think he's one of those guys that is going to give you one great year that you're going to be super jazzed about one or that would give you a lot of hope. And then one good year, you know, like seven, 800 yards, like five touchdowns, something like that. Um, and then you'll probably like never hear from him again at that point. Um, that just, that's just the vibe he's given off since day one. And there's nothing about him that leads me to believe otherwise. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I hope he's great. It would be great for him to be great, but, um, he's still going to rate highly in the model, but personally, that's just how I feel about him. And that's, that's going to probably be my write up on him. Yeah. He seems like one of those guys is going to go, um, likely going to be the first wide receiver drafted this year, mainly because of not only just how he just tore up the combine, just there, everyone in the NFL is looking for those, those freaks, those people who can be the next, you know, mega or whatever. Um, So People he's like go crazy over the combine and a 1.9% body fat bullshit. Like, yeah. who cares? That yeah. doesn't really matter. <laughs> and, while, and while he may be a good receiver, um, like you said, there's still parts of his game that, you know, there, there are questions for. Um, and uh, will does he rely on his athleticism more than he relies on his actual route running ability once he gets to the NFL? And that, that's going to be the main question for him. Right. Like, and, and a lot of the teams he beat up on weren't great. Mm-hmm. And the few times he got shut down, I think it was where first greedy Williams, right? If, if memory serves correct from what I've read, like, so he's gotten shut down by good corners, court, mm-hmm. like, supposedly, allegedly good corners that are entering the NFL. Um, and then other than that, he dominated like Louisiana Monroe and, mm-hmm. you know, schools like that. Like, okay, you're supposed to dominate them. Yeah. Like, that's why you're in the SEC. Like, I don't, that's not amazing to me. And he didn't really. Sure, he was on a field with A.J. Brown, who should be pretty good. Um, Demarcus Lodge is just a guy. I don't think he's going to be really anything in the NFL other than depth. Um, and, yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not fully sold on him. Yeah. To t- touch back on to one thing you mentioned about Kevin Harmon, I think there was a report that, I mean, from my perspective, I thought that he was 21 heading into this draft. And I think reports oh, yeah. came out that he is now 22. And I think that just now kind of shifts your perspective because draft age is, is a very big indicator of you know future success and the fact that he is a year older um definitely you know you know ask some questions it, in it, it doesn't yeah so that that came out that's true he's actually a full year older than everyone assumed he was at least everyone on twitter assumed he was right mm-hmm. like whether the nfl knew that or not is a whole nother story who mm-hmm. knows um but it really doesn't change him too much. It, I mean, it takes him from breaking out at 19 to breaking out at 20. And the difference between breakout age of 19 and 20 is negligible. I mean, it's about the same in terms of future success. So um really doesn't change anything for me. Um, and entering the league at 22 is just fine. So, yeah, it doesn't change anything. It just sucks that he yeah. just happens to be a year older. Just know. Right. Gotcha. Um, all right, so um, putting now, you now have like all the data and it comes to combine, you know, dominator rating, breakout age, everything. Now, what what are your early findings saying about this wide receiver class? Who's kind of rising to the top here? Um, it's basically what I think a lot of people have been saying, and it's, oh, well, I don't even know if people have been saying that. So this class was hyped to be the next 2014 class um if we're comparing it to that it's not it's apples and fucking rotten oranges <laughs> um i mean it's not even close um but if we're just want to talk about like elite talent like truly elite talent oh man there's there's just one guy that's it 
yeah. that's it for me. Um, I mean, it's and maybe one guy. Um, you know, I don't even know. We still don't have Inkeel Harry's agility numbers, so yeah. he still has to hit on those to truly get that that great score. Um, so we'll see. I mean, there there might not be. I mean, there's only one other guy that has already had hit a perfect score, um, but he's not going to be drafted highly, so he's not going to have that draft capital to go with him. Um, so an elite talent that's going to have draft capital, that may not actually even happen in this class. Wow. Wow. That's kind of big. That's kind of big. Um, so, I think it's interesting. So there's, so there's a lot of depth. I mean, there's going to be a lot of quality guys that you're going to like on your personally on your like NFL team. Um, and then a lot of kind of wide receiver two flex options for your fantasy team. Gotcha. So when, when you're using your, your, your model, what would you say is like a threshold you were looking for a certain prospect to hit in order to consider drafting them? And I mean like in terms of the number that they hit on the PSI, whether it's like a 4.5 4. or like a 4.0 or like what, what is that threshold that you're really kind so, of... So yeah, it's for? a great question because um, the funny thing is how when I initially started building this, what I thought I was building and what I, what I how I thought it should be interpreted has really switched um and that just comes with learning right i mean the more data i put in the more i realize like oh this is actually what i've been building um i didn't realize it right away but uh you're really looking for guys that hit in the top 50th percentile right and so what that's just saying is that they're there are 50 percent or better um in terms of kind of matching up with a top 24 wide receiver in the nfl um and what their profiles look like if you get guys that are below that 50 percentile threshold i mean that's no man's land um i I posted something earlier that's you know there's 203 wide receivers that posted below 50 percent eight of them have hit wow that's three percent so one of the main reasons that i wanted to build this out um is because i wanted to do just that i wanted to narrow the field you know every year you get 60 guys that go to the combine well Okay, you have a anyone has a one in sixty shot of getting it correct. Yeah, literally anyone has a shot. Um, you don't even have to watch football; you can just pick a name, and you have the same odds that anyone else does. Um, so, how do I narrow the one in sixty and get it down to one in thirty? Maybe I can get it down to one in fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I can get if I can increase my odds, then I've got a better shot than anyone else at at hitting on these players. Um, and so that was really the main goal of building this out. And so I've been able to at least do that. I've been able to cut the field in half and say, all right, I've got 400 receivers in here. I can easily ax 200 of them out and not care about them, yeah. um, at least as a, as a draft prospect, right? Now, things change once they get into the NFL. And if someone falls into a, a role, like take Tyrell Williams, for example, you know, Keenan Allen goes down. You look at the roster and you're like, well, I guess Tyrell Williams is really the best option left there. Well, then obviously he's going to eat, and sure enough, he does. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's good. He just yeah. fell into opportunity. Um, like, I never expect him to be good again in the NFL, and he's trying to get wide receiver one money, which is hilarious. Um, so that's really what I look for is, like, you've got to hit in the top 50. That's the first cutoff. Um, and then I think... I'm not going to run it right now, but you know, the higher we go up, the more condensed it gets with top 24 seasons, right? And then once you get to the very top, I mean, I want to say like 60% of all wide receiver one seasons are like in that top 10 percentile, wow. um, most in that top one. So, um, you know, that's really kind of where the cutoffs are. Wow, that's that's really interesting. The fact that it's just such a break point at the 50% where, you know, you can almost you know, not say with certainty, but you, you can feel very confident in saying that this player may will not have a sustained, successful career at the top of his position. In that right. I mean, it's, like I said, there's been eight guys to do it, and seven of them only did it once, right? And you can define success a lot of different ways, right? Um, like I think I talked with Derek once, and, you know, his definition of success is, like, just getting the guy to be in the NFL for three years because then he gets a pension. Like, that's fine. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. that's an agent point of view. Makes sense, right? Um, we all have different definitions of what success is. So, but under my definition, yeah, that's kind of where it falls under. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty hard line. It's amazing how how well that works. Um, the only guy that's bucked the trend is Tyreek Hill, who's got multiple top twenty four seasons, but he only played one year at OK State. Yeah, where he was running back slash wide receiver, but he was mostly running back. So like, we don't even have data worth like putting against him to like say whether or not he would have been good or like we just there's yeah. no data on him. Yeah, such a small um, sample size. So yeah, it's such a small sample size, and I mean it's already a game built on small sample sizes. If you make it smaller, it's just you know it's really tough to to try to project him. Um, so we do the best we can, but um, you know he's the only guy to buck the trend. That's it. Yeah. All right. So when you have players that are playing with other NFL caliber players. How do you analyze a guy like, maybe it's like a DeMarcus Lodge playing with A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf, and how do you analyze someone maybe like Paris Campbell who had some competition down there at Ohio State? Um, on their, by themselves. There's nothing, nothing I've seen that says that someone is being held back by the rest of their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're the guy, you're going to be the guy, Mm -hmm. like you're going to be the guy in high school. When you get to college, you're going to be the guy there. And when you get to the NFL, you're going to be the guy there. Like if you're that good, it's going to happen for you. If you're not that good, it's not going to happen for you. Um, you know, you don't just magically turn on the switch because with every level that you go up, the competition gets harder and harder. Once you get to the NFL, it's the top 1% of the top 1%. So if you can't beat, you know, a lot of future insurance salesmen in college, <laughs> like, sorry, it's not going to just, like, get better as you go to the NFL because you went to an SEC school or you happen to play with, you know, so-and-so. Um, that's just not how it works. So... I look at them individually. Uh, I mean, I, I understand the the contextual level of, of why people think that's important. Um, but I think the fallacy that a lot of people fall into and the thing they don't question is this is allegedly future NFL players, right? Like, yeah. there's nothing guaranteeing DK Metcalf of anything, AJ Brown of anything, or DeMarcus Lodge of anything, or what was the tight end's name? Dawson Knox or whatever his name is. Yeah. Like, there's nothing guaranteeing them of any sort of success. So to say that they're all future NFL stars, which I've seen thrown around for both Ole Miss and Georgia and Ohio State, no. Like, it just doesn't happen. You don't get five guys off a team and go like, oh, yeah, they're all going to be studs. Like, no, no one recruits that well. And the odds of that happening are so slim. Um, Like, you would literally have to hit on everyone, and that just doesn't – that's never happened. Um, so you already have to go in assuming that most of these guys are going to fail. So just pick the best one and, oh, look, you're going to pick the one that was most productive every time because Mm -hmm. that guy tends to be the best one. Again, if he was the guy in high school, he's the guy in college and he'll be the guy in the NFL. Um, so DeMarcus Lodge for me is just a dude. Um, you know, he'll get drafted. That'll be great. He'll make a team. Cool. He might make a few plays in the NFL. Great. But is he ever going to be anyone that you're super excited that your team has? Nope. Can he be washed out of the league in three years? Yep. Wow. I think that's a really good point that you made there in terms of we don't know who these guys are in terms of whether no. it's a Terry McLaurin or we still don't know like what Curtis Samuel is that. So like when you look at that competition that Paris Campbell potentially faced or these guys, you don't know like who these guys are and who they actually went against right. in college. So. You have no idea, which like takes me to the to Riley Ridley, right? Like, <laughs> unbelievable that anyone like has this guy in a first round mock, Bucky Brooks, you fucking moron. Um, you know, everyone looks to Georgia and was telling me like, oh, Georgia's got all this NFL star talent, Nuwata and Nicole Hardman, and I don't know whoever else is on the damn team, um, Terry McLaurin, and all these guys. And so I'm like, all right, cool, let me go look at this team. Uh, Nuwata just posted a four six nine forty. You wonder how many successful tight ends post a four six nine forty? None. So he's not the guy. Elijah Holyfield, what did he do? A four eight forty? Not the guy. Um, 
uh, Hardiman also was really slow. The only guy that was like kind of fast, or was it Hardiman that was kind of fast? I think it was Hardiman's fast. I think you're in like a four, three, something. Yeah, it was. Then it was Hardiman who, or yeah, or whatever the other guy's name. I, don't know, I can't keep up. Terry McLaurin also Terry ran McLaurin slow. Went to Ohio State. It was like basically this entire, all but one guy on that team ran really slow, forties and was not, uh, were not at all like super athletic. Um, hold on, let me filter down just so I get the names right. Because, uh, yeah, I get the Ohio State guys and the Georgia guys confused sometimes. Uh... Yeah, oh, so Terry Godwin, that's what it is. Godwin. McLaurin and Godwin, I always get confused. So Terry Godwin was not quick. Um, 4 5 5, great. 4 5 8 for Ridley. Um, I mean, both passable numbers, but not necessarily amazing for their uh, height and weight. Um, I mean, they both scored below average adjusted height, uh, height adjusted speed scores. Um, so really the only guy that was actually kind of decent is Miko Hardman, but he's just a slot receiver. So, okay. Cares. Um, so yeah, like there, there really isn't all this NFL talent that everyone swears is on Georgia. Um, so really it makes me look back at Fromm as I've been saying from the beginning, I'm like, Fromm is better than people think. Like he's making these average at best NFL's players look way better than they are and he's going to get them drafted. Um, but again, to your point that started all this is like, you, you don't know who these other players are that they couldn't beat out ahead of time, right? Like Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Um, you know, Riley really couldn't beat out Javon Wims, seventh <laughs> round pick. Couldn't beat him. Couldn't beat out Isaiah McKenzie, fifth round pick on his second team already because he sucked in Denver. So you're telling me that he didn't do much in high school, didn't do anything for the first three years in, in college because he couldn't beat out those two guys, and then all of a sudden had like a 50-catch season and now he's a first-round pick? Like, the dude doesn't even have 100 receptions from high school through college. Like, And you're telling me he's going to be a wide receiver one with 100 receptions in the NFL? Like, no, that doesn't happen. Um, his brother is was good. The only concern is his age, which is still a concern um, for career longevity. And yeah, like this guy's just not the guy, like at all. Like I don't. He runs great routes, great. Most of it are curl routes. Go back, watch his film. Most of his catches come on the same damn route. Like anything he does, it's not like other guys can't do the same thing. Like they can all do it. That's why they're here. So. It looks like the only thing that anyone who likes Riley Ridley will be able to hang their hat on is the potential draft capital in the first three rounds, which if he doesn't do that, it's just like there's nothing that you can say that makes you yeah, feel comfortable. That, that's the only thing that's going to support him, right, is that he's going to get drafted. I mean, to me, he's a fourth, fifth round pick yeah. based on other profiles similar to his, um, but he's going to get the name bump. Yeah. That's really all this is. He's getting the Ridley name bump. Is because his brother went in the first. Everyone thinks he's naturally good because he went to Georgia because he has the name, um, and so the NFL is going to give him that. So he's going to get drafted probably in the third round, is my guess. Um, if he gets drafted before that, whew, good luck whoever just blew that draft pick. Um, but he'll he'll get the one round bump and he'll go somewhere and he'll try to survive off draft capital for a bit. They'll quickly realize he's not the guy. They'll draft or sign someone else the year later, and that's how you become depth fodder that quickly. Yeah, that's crazy. So I'm curious from your perspective, who are some of these wide receivers in this draft class that you're really keen on seeing where they get drafted? Um, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, that's... There isn't anyone that I'm like, oh, I hope they go here. I mean, we, we all wish they, they all get paired with, like, Aaron Rodgers or, at this point, Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. Um, so if, if any of those, anything like that happens where a really good prospect um, goes to one of those teams where, like, Green Bay needs a wide receiver one. They yeah. don't have one on that team. It isn't any of the guys they've got on there right now. Yeah. I think the Browns, you can make an argument that they need someone next to Landry there. Um with mm. Baker, Landry's good. I, I like Landry a lot. I mean, he's proven every year that he's a top twenty-four guy. Yeah. Um, like I don't get like sure. I saw that you know in the last few weeks when Kitchens took over is, 
you know, stuff fell off. So maybe there's something to worry about there. Um, but, you know, I, th- I still think Landry could be the guy. But, you know, Mayfield does have a better arm than any other quarterback Landry has ever had. Yeah. Um, so that could lead to, you know, him wanting to throw the ball down the field more, which isn't which isn't a fit for Landry's game, right? So, um, you know, they, they could use someone like a DK Metcalf or some other burner that's, uh, you know, big white out on the outside. Um, you know, that would be good. So who'd really just be looking at, you know, who gets drafted where and who's kind of kind of the best situation. Who's not going to be buried on the depth chart. If you want someone to hit right away, um, you know, all those things are just going to play. So it'll just be really interesting to watch. I try not to worry about it too much right now in terms of kind of who I want to go where, because, the only thing, the only thing I, I do look at is like who I don't want to go anywhere, and that's like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not a Josh Allen fan, never will be. He ran better than I thought he would. Give him credit, good for him, but he still can't throw worth a damn. So what does it matter? Yep. The NFL will figure it out. <laughs> One of you know good running quarterback who wasn't all that accurate, but still more accurate than Josh Allen, Colin Kaepernick. How quickly did the NFL figure out Colin Kaepernick? Pretty fast. Um, he had his year, and then after that, it got harder and harder every time out. Yeah. So that's exactly what I expect to happen in Buffalo. Um, yeah, that seems so like yeah, kind of the. That's the about like the only thing. thing. If you go there, I'm like, not touching you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, we'll see where the chips fall. So I know last year you had um, Big Sleeper who ranked very highly in your model by the name of Justin Watson. And. There's looking to be a guy this year that could be in a similar mold as Justin Watson. Shall we uh, potentially talk about Ashton Doolin a little bit? Yeah, um, Ashton Doolin, I actually posted it today. I mean, Jesus, his profile is like identical to Watson's. It's crazy. Almost everything that they participated in is like neck and neck. They're just right there uh, with each other. So. Um, yeah, Doolin's the only guy to have gotten a perfect score in my model so far. Um, but we know that he's a super small school guy from Malone. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know Malone existed. Um, in case you're wondering where it's at, it's in, uh, is it Akron? Akron, oh. Ohio? Is Canton. Wherever the hell the Hall of Fame is. Oh, Canton. Cool. Yeah, right. It's Canton. Wow. Right. So Malone's in Canton, Ohio, because they play at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame field. Based on their, on the film that I watched to him, um, and and he absolutely just crushed it for that team. Um, he had a sixty-one percent dominator rating. Went back and looked at you know how he got there. Um, you know the one concerning thing that people have pointed out is oh he never actually caught a thousand yards and yeah I know he didn't, um, but his team only threw above two thousand yards one time. Um, I can actually pull it up. Hold on. Let me find it real fast. Because I have the passing stats for that school, and it's literally one of the most pathetic things I've ever <laughs> seen. And, I mean, and it's to be expected. I mean, do you really think the quarterback for Malone University is any good? Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, like, the one thing that you're looking at with him is, you so know, when, when, you're, when you're a small school guy, you have to just be so dominant on every facet of the passing game in order to be, you know, worth a look. And I think that he has, yeah, that's, that's the point, right? If you're going to go for the really small school guys or those, those real like deep sleepers, dart throws, like sure. You could go after the height, weight, speed guys all you want, but um, you're likely not going to hit on them as much as you are with the really productive guy. Like you're all, we're all throwing darts, right. In the NFL Mm -hmm. and fantasy football, like it's all dart throws. So why not throw a better dart? Like, that's all this really is. Um, you know, if he doesn't hit, okay. He, neither did any of the other guys, but it was still a be- the best option available. Yeah. Um, like, all right, his first year, the team threw for a total of 1,300 yards. Wow. Second year, 1,590 yards. Third year, 1,900 yards, and the fourth year was 2,400 yards. That was their entire passing offense the entire time that he was there. So to hear that, like, oh, he never had 1,000 yards of pass- or receiving, like, at what point was he supposed to get that? Yeah. 
um, it's you know you you'll never find a dominator rating higher than like 60 65 i don't think you'll ever see anything higher than that just because like mathematically and logically like it's just not possible you're not gonna see a guy who's 70 percent of the passing game like he would literally have to have every ball thrown his way and the only reason he doesn't get to 100 is because he dropped the ball or something like so he's basically maxed out everything he could um Oh, actually, Doolin did have a thousand yards. He had a thousand yards his senior year, junior year, his junior year. Was that when they threw for twenty four hundred yards? That was when they threw for nineteen hundred yards. Oh, wow, that's impressive. when they threw for twenty four hundred. He dropped down to nine eighty four. So um, that was kind of the only concerning thing is that when they actually increased the volume, he dropped a bit, which yeah. you don't like to see in their final year do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't miss a game, so. That's kind of the interesting thing. And he only played in 10 games every year. Okay. Um, so most guys play in like 12 or 13. Um, so to not get 1,000 yards and he's got three less games than most other guys um, and he's in a truly inferior passing offense, like you go watch the film and you watch where this ball's getting thrown, like he's adjusting to everything because his quarterback's got zero accuracy. Yeah. Um, he's The guy just throws it up there and Doolin just comes down with it because he's just better than everyone else on the field. Um, but you know, to your point earlier about small school and you want to see him dominate a lot, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of the one thing I've learned. Um, you know, I have different thresholds for everything, but the one thing that's, you know, that doesn't capture is, um, you know, competition level. Right. So, so subjectively I've got to go in there and then just apply that myself. Um, so for small school guys, you know, my motto is the smaller the school, the bigger the dominator rating's got to be. Like, um, you can't just be in the 30% and hope to be okay. Like Akilin Doss, you know, a lot of people like him. Um, I was kind of onto him at first, but then I realized, well, UC Davis isn't that big. And you only really did about 35% of the offense. Like, yeah, yeah, that's just not going to do it. Like, if it was 30% at Ohio State, that's Colorado State, cool. Like, that works. Um, but at UC Davis, that's not going to pass. Uh, you got to be a little higher than that. Like he would have had been in the forties for me to be like, okay, cool. I'm really into him. Um, so that's just kind of how I look at it. So when I see a a Doolin who completely maxed out, um, from a dominator rated perspective, um, also had some rushing ability to him. So he could be a bit of a Swiss army knife in the NFL, maybe depending on what kind of, you know, coach he goes to. Um, Because he rushed for about over 100 yards every year, got a touchdown every year. Um, And then he also kick returned. So, you know, the way small school guys who, you know, Doolin, I was thinking, will likely go undrafted. But now that he profiles so similarly to Watson, I still don't think he's a fifth-round guy like Watson was because Watson still came from a slightly bigger school than Malone. Um, but there's a chance he may go at least that early, but I don't think so. I think he's still sixth, seventh, or a completely undrafted receiver. Um, but since he can return kicks and he returned them with good success, I mean, he was returning them for touchdowns at Malone, um, you know, that's got to be his path to success, right? He's got to succeed in special teams. He's got to work his way up. And then, you know, hopefully one day he gets a shot like Adam Thielen did. And there you go. Yeah. It's your next Adam Thielen. See, I think he honestly could get drafted earlier than we expect, mainly because he got a combine invite. Justin Watson did not get a combine invite, and he was still an early fifth-round pick. So the fact that he got that invite shows that he's at least on the radar of these teams. And the fact that he performed well at the combine. Oh, know, was Watson not a... Watson, Watson was not a combine invite. I don't believe oh, so. He was a senior bowl guy. Yeah. I remember that. He was a maybe, maybe he was guy. injured or something, but I know all of his um, you know, measurables and all of his testing was done at his pro day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't really fully remember anymore, but um, yeah. So yeah, he's on the uh, he is on the radar. So the NFL knows that Malone is actually a school. Yeah. And apparently they just closed up shop on the football program, is what I heard. Really? I don't know if that's true, it's but because he left. They're someone told like, me that Malone literally like closed up shop. I'm like, oh, that sucks because. Doolin actually has a brother on that team, so I was curious to see how his brother was. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But uh, even though he was, you know, invited to the Combine, um, good chance he still goes undrafted, though. Yeah. Very good chance. All right, so, like, when, when utilizing your, you know, your model, like a guy like a Doolin or Watson, and you're going into, like, a rookie draft, 
how do you properly value these guys with like late draft capital versus you know other guys who maybe got drafted a little earlier? Like like at what point are you trying to target these guys without maybe potentially like in your opinion overdraft them? Um, man, it really just depends on the class, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the class. It depends on your own personal fantasy team and what you're trying to do with it, your league settings, like all of those things kind of come into play. Um, right. If I don't have enough spot to put a guy that I can support for a couple of years while he develops, then yeah, I'm probably not taking a shot on a guy like Watson. Cause I just, I need that flexibility that roster spots more important than trying to groom someone in my opinion. Um, so really all those factors kind of, um, come into play, but, um, You know, I, I think if you're going through a draft and if we're talking about just like a standard league and, you know, all things being equal sort of thing, um, you know, once the elite guys go, like, you got to go in there with like your list of your guys, right? Yeah. Like, have your list of your guys that you truly believe in. And if all those guys are gone and you're getting or you're getting close to the bottom of that list, well, then. I don't believe you can overdraft someone at that point because you don't believe in the rest of the guys anyway. So that happens to be in the second round that you're like, Hey, all the guys I wanted are gone. Here's, you know, Doolin is the only one that's left. Take them in the second round. Um, If you're in the third or fourth or fifth, or you think, you know, you can make trades or moves or whatever you want to do in that throughout the draft and all things happen, then, you know, you can do that too. But um, like I said, just have your list, stick to it. And, you know, wherever that chip falls, I don't think it's ever going to be too early, right? As long as you're not taking them in, like, the top 10 picks or something like that. You're... Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, so a um, couple couple last questions for you. One is, do you go ahead and you put all this data together? Do you go ahead and actually watch any of these tape on these players? Not that often. Um, normally, I end up going watching tape on other guys in other positions. Um, but it's usually when I have a question that needs answered, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, what's a good example? Uh, Deontay Foreman's a good example. Okay. You know, I, uh, when I was researching him when he was coming out, it was like, oh, he, you know, rushed really well. You know, he's got all these things you like, but his receiving ability stinks. Is you know, if you just look at his stats, like that's what you would think. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, but you know, he doesn't, he didn't catch a lot of balls, but when he did, he did really well with it. Um. So I was like, well, does he suck or is he actually good? And he just wasn't getting the opportunity. Like, that was the question. I'm like, well, I've got to go look and figure it out, like, uh, and see what it says. And so watched tape on him, saw him catch the, the whopping 10 balls that he got all year. Every time he caught it, you know, kind of arms stuck out, caught it well, didn't seem like he had bad hands. And then he knew what to do with the ball once he had it. And I was like, okay, I'm like, Texas just didn't give him the ball, but when he does, he's good. Like, so it's not that he sucks. Like, I didn't see him drop a pass, um, you know, that was, like, so egregious um, that, like, anyone should be able to catch, right? Yeah. You know, like a, like Carlos Hyde or something like that, who just doesn't really have great hands. Um, so that made me feel really comfortable taking a Deontay Foreman because I'm like, oh, I think he's going to be undervalued because people think he can't catch, but I think he actually can. And if he goes somewhere and the NFL team realizes that and he gets used that way, then all of a sudden you've got a potential three down running back yeah. um, who profiles already really well just stra- uh, on rushing capabilities alone. Um, so it's just stuff like that. When I've got certain questions, when when the numbers don't really make sense or the narrative around a player doesn't really make sense with what I'm seeing, um, that's when I'll kind of go back and watch just to see what what I truly like believe. Um, because I mean, you can read anyone's stuff and take other people's opinions, but it tends just to skew the way you think. I mean, it, it's hard enough to do it already because you go into so much of it with a preconceived notion of who someone is mm-hmm. um, that you just start to see what you think you already believe of that player to be. Um, so you just try to go into it with as, you know, as clear mind as, as you can and try not to think that you already understand the player before you really do. Definitely. That, that's, that's a good point for sure. 
definitely got to go check out these players because there are things that definitely don't show up necessarily in the stats that are these players are capable of, and that's kind of where you can find um, some of these little diamonds in the rough that you know you're able to find. Um, all right, one last question for you, and this could be a little um, Trinity sneak peek here. Um, if you were to draft today, who would be your 101? Today? Yes, you're on so, the clock right so now. So we don't know where they're all landing, right? Nope. That's the that's nope. the premise. Yep. Um, it's in Kill Harry. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how it's not. Um, the guy so far, I mean, he's at worst going to profile like Des Bryant, which boo freaking who for you for being able to draft a Des Bryant at one one, right? Like yeah. that's so poor. Um, so I mean he's 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 somewhere between a Des Bryant and Allen Robinson type profile, um, but from what I've seen of him on film, he's got more flash and pizzazz to his game, like like he's those two, but sprinkled with a little OBJ in the way like he makes some ridiculous catches. Um, so that's what I really like about him, um, and so to me, he just feels like the safest player because he just continues to check all the boxes, and there's really not a lot of there's not a lot of questions mm-hmm. around him. The only thing people questioned were his, his overall athleticism. People thought he was going to be really slow. A lot of people were copying him to Laquan Treadwell, which made no fucking sense. Um, but as I compared him even before the combine to everyone else who came before him who had similar profiles, guess what? They were all super athletic guys. And what did he prove at the combine? He was super athletic. Um, you know, everyone talked about DK Metcalf's 27 reps on the bench. No one yeah. mentioned that he and Kale Harry did the exact same thing right after him. Um, and again, like everyone expected DK Metcalf to be really freakishly strong. Not one, not everyone expected to be for Harry to be the, the same, you know, have that same level of strength. Um, so for me, it's just the safest choice at this point. Um, obviously landing spots matter and we'll see what happens. Right. And kill Harry goes to Buffalo. That's shit. That's a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'll own him kill Harry anywhere. Um, but, uh, you know, he's the safest pick and then, you know, DK Metcalf as well. Like that's the upside, even if it could only be short lived, right. Even if it's just a shooting star, um, it can shine really brightly for that period of time, yeah. and maybe that's all that matters, right? Exactly. And I think like, from a fantasy value... perspective, if you win the championship with DK Metcalf in his best year, did he pay off for you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does it matter if he's never good again? No. <laughs> yeah. um, so you just have to kind of set your expectations and you know be okay with certain outcomes. Um, so yeah. I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. 100%. All right, so a lot of things will change between now and uh, post-draft. Definitely, definitely. I'm just As hoping do. Harry does, yeah, like you said, the Bills. Um, I would be excited to see Harry on Browns, Colts, one of those teams that could scoop him up there. I would I would ideally, uh, my, my, if I can put my tinfoil hat on for a second, is Cardinals trade Rosen. Sorry, I know this is going to hit close to home for you, but... The Cardinals trade Rosen away, get a late first or early second, um, or maybe a 2020 first, who knows? And then they, they they take Kyler Murray, and then they somehow package all that up and move back into the first, and then they take their homegrown product and then kill Harry. So you have Harry as your successor to Fitz. And now you've got Murray, DJ, Harry, and Fitz for one year. And Kirk. Can't forget Kirk. No oh, yeah, and Kirk. So. Two homegrown. Two homegrown wide receivers right there. You, you know, that's not uh, that's not a bad offense for Cliff Kingsbury to go in there and try to start yeah. playing around with, right? So um, that'll give him a lot of versatility, and it would be a lot of fun to watch that offense go for at least a year. And even that, the years after that are going to be fine without Larry Fitzgerald. Um but uh, at least for next year, that would be a pretty fun team to watch. Definitely, definitely. You speak my language now. Um, Wait, so are you pro trading Rosen now? Um, no. Two? So, so here's, here's the thing. Rosen was my favorite quarterback last year, and Kyler Murray is like my favorite quarterback this year. So it's like I'm indifferent to 
the fact that we trade Rosen as long as we're getting good value for him. Like that's like like if Kyler Murray is the guy that Kingsbury, you know, truly believes will fit his offense better and he can really run with Murray, then I say you quarterback is such an important position where you have to go get your guy and you can't leave any questions like unanswered when it comes to that. You have to go get your guy. You have to be confident and convicted in that. And yeah. If you aren't able to get something good for Rosen, then take Bosa or something. I, I hear you. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I don't have something quite as intense built out for quarterbacks, but I've been screwing around with kind of a smaller model for quarterbacks um, just based on what I've always looked at because it's always steered me in the right direction at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like, I did not have – Rosen all that high last year. I think he was still my third quarterback, but I wasn't like it was a pretty steep tier drop at that point. It was like Baker Mayfield, Barna, number one quarterback, then a step down, then you have Darnold, um, who for me is like he could either be Blake Bortles, the one we know, or he could be the good Blake Bortles that we were promised. Like that's just who he really profiled like to me. Um so, kind of, he was my number two guy, um, and so far he's looked pretty good. He doesn't look as bad as Bortles, which is great. As bad as the real Bortles that we got. Um, and then, but Rosen, as much as I wanted to love Rosen, because I just heard that name for so long, and there was always a lot of love within even Crew Nation, but just everywhere about Rosen, you know, he was just so average at everything that you looked at i'm like what what is the love here like the only thing i love about rosen i think is like his attitude yeah like i love the way he carries himself and like what he brings from like a leadership perspective i guess if you want to call it that um just that swag that he has i'm like okay like that dude's cool like fuck, i want that guy on my team but then i go like look at him and i'm like oh, well this isn't exciting to look at <laughs> yeah you look at his um, college qbr and i think rogers is the only one that's like under 50 percentile that you know has been a successful quarterback so i think i think there's definitely questions in terms of his profile but like you said the attitude um yeah rosen rosen for me hits below the threshold for really good success Mm -hmm. um you know he might be like at best an andy dalton like if you're really like hopeful for what he can become um but otherwise, you're looking at a long list of a lot of not-so-great quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Paxton Lynch is a name that's right next to him at the oh moment. Boy. So, oh boy. Um, And then you got, like, Ryan Tannehill and, you know, Connor Cook, Jeff Driscoll. Like, he's just in that realm. And, I mean, the, the it continues to drop. So, I mean, he's like he's tied with these guys. But um, he's just kind of in that range. And... Rather, rather than being at the top where you have your your Newtons, your Mayfields, your your Winston's, your Luck, like guys who have actually proven to be pretty good. Right? I mean, Winston has a lot of off the field issues clearly, um, but he can light up the scoreboard for you when he needs to. Sure, he has a lot of dumb errant interceptions, but he can still light up the scoreboard. Uh, but Kyler Murray, I mean is far and away like the best prospect out of that class. Yeah. Um, but he's also not without his warts, you know I mean? One year of real starting ability. Um, you know, his, 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 his overall body size, I'll say, I'm not super concerned about his height as I am his weight. Um, but he proved to be, you know, fairly heavy. Let's just hope he can maintain that weight. Yeah. Um, cause I think if memory serves correct from what I heard was that like, he gets caught to Russell Wilson a lot, but Russell Wilson dropped weight to get to 210 or whatever he was at the combine while Kyler Murray had to gain weight. So it really isn't apples to apples there. Um, so, but if you're going to bet on a guy, I mean, Kyler Murray is like, yeah. eats bananas. Yeah. Will Greer, I think, is super underrated. Um, just massively underrated quarterback. I think everyone's like shitting on this guy everywhere. And I don't get it. Yeah, I want to talk I mean, about this. Why, why do you think the NFL doesn't... Like, they have guys like Drew Locke and Daniel Jones ahead of Will Greer. Why is Will Greer not being talked about 
in the same kind of likes as, you know, Haskins or along those lines. I don't know how the NFL fucks this up so much. Uh, but, like, Daniel Jones is just straight trash. Yeah. Like, how does anyone look at that kid and go, yep, that's a future quarterback one right there that I want to build a franchise around? The like, kid can't throw it further than, like, five yards. Like, it's just atrocious. You know what's funny? Um, they, they say they say that he looks the part. Well, what is the part? Where is, like, a quarterback that you've seen That's the, the thing. Uh, it, it's just, it's just teams, teams focus so much on the looks, and I think a lot of it has to do with the business side of sports. Um Right, it's all marketability, right? If he's going to be the face of your franchise, he's got to like look like fucking Captain America, apparently, and act like Captain America. Um, they are gladiators, <laughs> right? Like, because cause they just they want this guy that the fan base can love. They want a guy that's not going to get in trouble. They want a guy that's going to be good in the community. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of other things that they have to think yeah. about, right? That like I don't have to think about when I'm yeah, doing exactly. this. Um, and so I think that plays a big role, but maybe too big of a role mm-hmm. um because at the end of the day like if, if you get the wrong quarterback if you spend a high first round pick and you and you miss you set your franchise back another five years maybe 10 like i mean look how long it took the browns to get a quarterback like yeah it can take a while to find the guy so um you've really got to be sure about it and you know personally like i think I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins is a terrible quarterback. I think he's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, do I think he's going to be like amazing? Like ah, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be amazing, but um, but the Giants should definitely take Dwayne Haskins over anyone else. Yeah. Assuming Kyler Murray's gone. Yeah. Anything's better than Eli Manning at this point. But according to the way that the Giants have always graded their players, height and weight are a big, big factor in that mm-hmm. and so a guy like Kyler Murray is very capped in how high of a grade he can get from the Giants that the grade he would get is not equated to a first round grade mm-hmm. um, so interesting. I didn't know that. and it's just due to the fact that that's how they go about grading players they love their height weight speed guys um, and Kyler Murray just isn't that guy right so so instead they've got to go look at elsewhere and that's exactly where they get and that's where they get deviated from, right? They're like, oh, well, he doesn't meet this threshold for a height that we always mm-hmm. clearly like. And it's good to have that height, I guess, but don't make it such a, like, mandatory thing when the most important thing for a quarterback is, like, dude, are you accurate? Like, do you know how to read a defense? Do you get how to move around in the pocket? Like, those are the things that are important. Mm-hmm. If the guy ends up being 5'10 or 6'3 or whatever, like, who gives a shit? Like, he's able to do what he needs to do. Does he have the strong enough arm to make the throws? Like, that's what matters. Is his physical profile at the end of the day doesn't matter because you can't find an accurate quarterback just anywhere. Like, you can't teach accuracy. Like, no one's ever going to be able to tell me otherwise. Like, you just can't. You're, it is in an, it is an innate kind of like ability, but it isn't just solely like he's accurate. I mean, it's, I think it comes down to everything that you do mechanically, you know, from your feet to how you throw to, you know, how you move kind of the rest of your body around. Like, I mean, there's so many things that go into accuracy. It's not like you're just accurate. Um, I think there's just a lot of body mechanics that go into it. And some people just naturally have it and naturally don't. Um, So, I mean, if, if I had to, if I was grading quarterbacks, like accuracy is my number one thing. And everything else is a distant second and third. Like, you find the accurate quarterback, and then you worry about the rest later. So then, how, how do you determine accuracy? Do you determine it in terms of completion percentage? Because a lot of quarterbacks could be more accurate in terms of you know little dump off passes where quarterback. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you can look at completion percentage, and that's great. But yeah, it doesn't tell you the whole story, right? Yeah. Because um, you could have someone like Daniel Jones, who I don't think he had does have a high completion percentage. I'm pretty sure he does not. Um, yeah, his completion percentage is 59.9%. Like, it's just trash. Um, but his, you know, adjusted yards per attempt is also 6.4, which is also just trash. Yeah. So he throws the ball short, and he still can't hit his guy. Like, what? The- <laughs> so you're not even getting a good game manager. Like, <laughs> it's just so bad. Um, you know, Kyler Murray's got a completion percentage of 67%, which is above the threshold we want. 
and his adjusted yards is 11. And that just breaks. I mean, he's he's double, he's double Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Daniel Jones is a better graded quarterback in the Giants system apparently than Kyler Murray. That's just ridiculous. So yeah, good luck, David Gettleman. Gonna David Gettleman himself out of a job as usual. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think one thing we're seeing just in the NFL, I feel like it's just gonna be something that happens in the next three to five years, is the fact that we're going to see um, a lot of these quarterbacks who, you know, were kind of labeled like pro style or spread. I feel like these these coaches are gonna actually utilize what they did in college in the NFL, and I think I think we we saw a lot of quarterbacks in the last let's say 15, 20 years, probably like busted out or like probably busted because of maybe their coaching didn't put them in a, a place to succeed where they may have been able to succeed in, in a different system. Right. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see a bit of a change, uh, changing of the guard coming up soon. And if you get more guys like Cliff Kingsbury in the league and you really start going more offensive-minded and you start opening yourself up to you know, passing more in the NFL, um, I think you'll start seeing those changes too where teams will get more comfortable with certain types of quarterbacks that they wouldn't necessarily have been comfortable with a few years before. Definitely. All right, Miguel, um, I appreciate your time. Always good chatting with you. Um, really good to get some insight into you know your thoughts on the PSI and the wide receiver class. I'm excited to see how this draft plays out um, and just how everything else transpires. But appreciate your time, man. Any last thoughts or comments you had before we hop off here? No, man, this was fun. It's good talking with you. I'd love to do it again. And, uh, yeah, man, just looking forward to the draft now. It's all that matters. All right, absolutely, man. Have a good one. Peace. All right, man. You too.